Let's bow together. Father God, we thank you again for the privilege to meet together. To First of all, thank you for saving us. Father, we didn't deserve it. It's all by your grace and mercy. We pray uh, for the missions conference coming up, that you will prepare the way, that you will guide everything according to your plan, and that it would honor and glorify you. We pray for LaRue especially, uh, during this time of being dislocated. Uh, Father, just pray you would encourage her as she sorts through, and, and may we help in any way that we can. And even with that surgery, Lord, just pray that infection would clear up, that she will be able to have that surgery uh, as soon as possible. Father, we're just so glad you're sovereign over everything. We get so uh, much in chaos at times, but Lord, we just need to look to you and know that it's according to your plan. Thank you for this time we can share together. Be with each one here. Help us to be lights and salt that you've commanded us to be with your help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we all face tremendous challenges in life. I remember some inmates at Pinellas County Jail. Some were looking at long sentences like Eric, who was sent up the road recently to serve his time. They deal with delayed trials. They deal with broken relationships with family and friends. Today, some at Lakeside are facing medical issues, persecutions at their jobs, or turmoil within their families. Some challenges we help bring on ourselves while others come our way as part of our lives on this earth are persecution because we have taken a stand for our Christian beliefs. These challenges can be like a lion's den as we face something that seems to want to tear us apart. Job, while in his lion's den, came through saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Joseph must have felt he was in a lion's den as his brothers sold him into slavery. He was wrongfully thrown into prison. But when he had a chance to get revenge on his brothers, said, But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So not it was not you who sent me here, but God. Our three fellow believers in Daniel 3, after being thrown into a fiery furnace, said, God is able to deliver us, but if not... We do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image you have set up. That list could go on and on, but the point is, we will all have lion's den experiences sometimes in life, and we need to be prepared like Brother Daniel. Living in Florida, we are faced every year with what? June 1 to November 30, the hurricane season. And this year brought us Hurricane Irma. Every year we're reminded we're supposed to have a hurricane survival kit. Remember what that was? That we have everything they list uh, on TV or they'll send to you or you can get off the internet. And because of Hurricane Irma, I know many of us had to readjust what we had in our hurricane survival kits, like a working generator, 
like flashlights that had good batteries in them, like box fans, gallons of water, and where can you get gas for the generator? Anybody else have to readjust their list? (laughs) This morning we're going to be studying a very familiar story in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel chapter 6. In this story, Daniel will find four items we need to put in our spiritual survival kit to survive the lion's den when those come into our lives. So please join me in Daniel chapter 6. And as you know, and I've shared in the past, Daniel is one of my favorite Old Testament characters, a man who, as a teenager, was taken captive and showed his faith from the beginning of the time of his captivity as a POW uh, in dealing with a very heathen culture that he was introduced to. But he kept God first in his life. A reminder for all of us. In Daniel 5, before we look at Daniel 6, we know Babylon has fallen. As Belshazzar, remember, great-grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, he had decided to have a party. And even though he was surrounded by the Medes and Persians, he didn't care. He was going to have a party. And he got drunk and they used the vessels from the temple. And God, with the handwriting on the wall, told everyone that he was going to be judged for that. And Daniel wasn't around then. He was retired. I guess they had a retirement then. But the queen said, Belshazzar, if you don't know what the handwriting says, get Daniel. Daniel will know because he serves the living God. And so Daniel came and told him what that judgment would be. That he would lose his life and Babylon would fall to the Medes and Persians. So now we want to look at Daniel chapter 6. We know a little of the background of Daniel 5. And we want to look at that first item in our spiritual survival kit. And that's shared in verses 1 to 3. And that first item is a consistent walk. Look with me at Daniel 6, 1 to 3. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom. They should be in charge of the whole kingdom. And over them three commissioners of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them, that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. A consistent walk. Daniel, since being taken as a POW, been serving in Babylon now for over 60 years. 120 satraps served King Darius, or also known as Cyrus, as an administrator over all the provinces which made up the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. There were three governors, or here they're called commissioners, same thing, including Daniel. And they each had 40 of these satraps under them. So they were the three directly under the king at that time. He appointed people he could trust. Why? Because it says here in verse 2, he didn't want to suffer any loss. In other words, he didn't want to lose money. He wanted to make sure the taxes were paid up. He wanted to make sure if there was any kind of rebellion going on that he would get a report before it turned into one that the king couldn't control. 
So these three governors, these three commissioners, Daniel was appointed as one of them. Daniel, now over the age of 80, had God's blessings throughout his career in Babylon. How many heathen kings had he served? How many of these kings had learned a new perspective, at least, of the true God, the living God that Daniel served? But Daniel here, it says, according to verse 3, he distinguished himself because why? He had a spirit, a special spirit. Who was that excellent spirit? It was from God. Because Daniel kept God first in his life. No matter what came into his life, he knew God was sovereign. He knew God was in control. And even as we were reminded with Hurricane Irma, God's still sovereign. God's in control. Before we were even born on this earth, God knew that was going to happen. And he's still in charge and we can still trust him. We also know that Daniel here, according to verse 3, was about to be appointed directly to be under King Darius or Cyrus, as he was known. And, of course, those that were around, the other two governors, the other two commissioners, all the satraps who were serving under those governors, they were applauding it, right? Here's Daniel doing an excellent job. He had the Spirit of God in him, and he was serving God, keeping him first. But we see that this had been consistent throughout Daniel's time of captivity. I've spoken, I've read stories of those uh, prisoners of war who have been a prisoner of war for a short time, some for a longer time. But Daniel here, all this time, he had a consistent walk with God. And what an outstanding item we need to have in our survival kit because when we already have a consistent walk with God when the hurricane comes when the lion's den situation comes we're already walking with God we're not saying where are you God or why are you putting me in this situation we know it's all according to his plan how many know what Romans 8:28 says we know that how many things work together and what's all mean everything And we talk about it, we memorize it, we claim it, but when the real lion's den situations come, do we live it? Have we had that consistent walk that Daniel has here? The second item in our spiritual survival kit is integrity on the job. This doesn't necessarily mean outside the job, outside the house, but it can be a job in the house or with our families or whatever God has called us to do. Integrity on the job. Look with me at verses 4 and 5. Then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. (laughs) Now they are jealous, apparently, and they want to get rid of Daniel. So they look at everything he has done as a politician throughout his whole career, and they can't find one thing? I read that, and I'm just astounded. (laughs) The world we live in, a politician throughout his whole career, I can't find a thing. 
that he did. Nothing under the table, nothing behind closed doors, nothing that would bring into question the integrity of him on the job. And they could not find any charge. And because they couldn't, you know what they went after was his testimony. We can't find anything of corruption with Daniel, so let's look at his daily walk with this living God that he claims to worship. But I believe Daniel had this strong integrity at his job, even though him being a prisoner of war all this time, because Daniel knew he was always accountable to God. No matter whether man saw what he was doing, anything that would be under the table, he always knew he's accountable to God, just like we are as well. So again, they look at his life and they knew Daniel did what? Three times a day prayed three times a day through his whole career, his whole time while he was taken as a prisoner of war. And he prayed to God consistently, openly. He wasn't ashamed. He didn't say, well, God, today I better go in the closet. No, he prayed with the window doors wide open three times a day. He had done this consistently. People looked at our lives on the job like they did with Daniel, what would they find? Nothing, of course, right? (laughs) I'm not saying Daniel's perfect, but he walked closely with God. He had a desire every day. My number one thing today is to please God, to bring glory to His name. The third item needed in our spiritual survival kit is a committed prayer life. Look with me, beginning of verse 6. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners, that's not true. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials, governors, they consulted together the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man beside you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast in the lion's den. That's a lie, isn't it? It wasn't all that agreement. You think Daniel was consulted on this? No. So now they say, because of that, O king, establish the injunction, sign the document so it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document, that is, the injunction. So what's going on here? They, first of all, base what they want to do on a lie. They say everybody's come in this agreement So that you sign a decree, and when you sign a decree, according to the Medo-Persian law, the history tells us, it said, For it was a proud boast of Persia that its laws never changed, and that a royal promise or decree was irrevocable. In his edicts and judgments, the king was supposed to be inspired by the god Ahura Mazda. I'm not going to quiz you on that one. Therefore, the law of the realm was the divine will, and any infraction of it was an offense against that deity. So they looked at the king as a god. And so if he made a decree, that had to be perfect, right? Because he was a god, and so you could not revoke it. So we see the plot was signed, the decree was signed, and the king said, for 30 days you can only pray to me. And no one else. And so we see, what is Daniel going to do? 
Is he going to have to think about this, saying, you know, give me 30 days, king, before this goes into effect? It was already signed, so it went into effect immediately. And so Daniel knew, he knew that the document was signed. Verse 10, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. And I love what he was doing. He was praying and what else was he doing? Giving what? Thanks. Every day, three times a day, Daniel openly was praying to God and thanking Him. Thanking Him for the day. Every day we have on this earth is a gift from God. Every day we should live as if it's our last day on this earth. We have one opportunity on this earth to live for the Lord. And then it's eternity. So that's why we can't waste it. That's why we have to use every day for Him. For God's glory. You remember the three men in chapter 3? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we looked at months ago. Remember when the king said, Now if you bow before the golden image, everything will be okay. Uh, We'll have the orchestra, we'll have the band play again. And if you obey at this time, it's okay. And what did they say? Hey, we need a few days to think about it. Then we'll take a vote and then we'll put pros and cons up on a board. No, what did they do? They didn't have to think about it. They said that God can deliver us and if he does, we of course would be happy about that. But if he does not, we're still not going to worship your gods. Why? Because God was number one in their life. Every day we've got to make sure God's on the throne that we're not there. Because we mess up, God never does. His plans are always perfect. We don't know every explanation. We don't need to. We need to trust God that He knows because He's perfect. So if we heard a law that said in America, you can't pray anymore to any God but whoever's the God at that time, whoever's in charge at that time, what would we do? Would we say, well, Lord, I guess I need to kind of compromise here? Or would we do what Daniel's doing here? It was his daily, I don't even like to use the word routine, it was his daily reverence to God to pray three times. And not only pray to God, but thank Him. Thank Him for the day. Thank Him for the opportunity to live another day for the Lord. And he always prayed, we notice here, even Daniel as a POW prayed toward Jerusalem. And... The Old Testament earlier on in 1 Kings 8 says, When your people go out to battle against their enemy, who, wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord toward the city which you have chosen, toward the temple which I have built for your name, then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. Daniel was doing what God had commanded. He continued to do, and that was spend time in prayer. Verse 11, the conspirators spy on Daniel. Think they were looking for Daniel? Absolutely. It says, these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. I always grew up and I was told, don't be a tattletale. <laughs> you ever hear that? 
You know what a tattletale is? You see something, you go run and tell somebody else to get them in trouble, right? Most of the time, that's how it works. Well, these men saw Daniel doing what he'd been doing three times a day, every day since he had been uh, captured. And so they go to the king. They, they see Daniel praying to God, thanking God, praising God. And so they tattle on Daniel. But Daniel continued having a consistent prayer life like we all need to have in our lives because when that lion's den experience comes in our life if we are consistently praying we're following first thessalonians five seventeen: pray without ceasing what are we going to do pray continue to pray so we need that in our survival kit the fourth item needed in our survival kit is we need to remember our witness to the unsaved This is an important one because when we claim to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the world is going to see if that's really something that you're just saying or something you're doing and living. So the rest of the chapter has to do with remembering our witness to the unsaved beginning at verse 12. And we'll see in these verses of Daniel 6 how important it is that we Maintain a strong witness to the unsaved before the lion's den, in the lion's den, and after the lion's den. That's consistency. First, showing a strong witness for God to the unsaved before the lion's den. Look with me at verse 12. Then these men approached, spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast in the lion's den? They're rechecking. The king answered and said, The statement's true. According to the law, the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. So he's saying, Yes, that's been done. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel. Oh, there's the name Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah. He's one of those foreign guys that you got. Pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Then as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed. He was very upset and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Daniel had a strong witness to the unsaved before the lion's den. Because we read on in verse 15, And as soon as the king heard the statement, he was distressed. Then these men, verse 15, came by agreement to the king, said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast in the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. You know the important part of that passage? Those last few words of verse 16. Here's Daniel's testimony before the lion's den. You have a heathen king, Darius, Cyrus, saying, Your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. You understand the power of that statement? 
a heathen king with all the many gods all around him. They worship hundreds and thousands. And he's seen in Daniel a real faith in the true God. And he says, your God's going to deliver you. Man, that's fantastic. That's unbelievable. That's the consistency Daniel's testimony was throughout the time that he was taken as a POW. That's the impact that we need to have with the unsaved in our lives. That they say, I see a faith and I believe your God is going to deliver you. Someone who's not even saved seeing that in our lives as they saw in Daniel's life. What an impact. I wanted to share this. This is one of the poems that was written by one of the inmates. He's in Cumberland, Maryland, Glenn Taylor. But he wanted to share, because I think this reflects here Daniel's consistency in his testimony. He entitled it, No Longer a Slave to Sin. While passing through this wicked world, I've been a slave to sin. I've trod across the blood of Christ time and time again. I've walked in pride and thought that I would make it on my own, but now I've read the Word of God and trust in Christ alone. Alone by faith He saved my soul. Alone He set me free. Alone He paid the price and paid it just for me. Alone He put me in His book, adopted by the King. And one sweet day He'll call me up. In glory I will sing. Sing about His precious blood and sing about His grace. Sing about the mansions high. He's built for me a place. Sing about the streets of gold and gates of pearl so bright. And sing about the days ahead without the fear of night. Sing about the fellowship with all the saints above. And sing about our lovely life with those we need and love. Yes, need and love from up above. Where never will I be a slave to sin or lost again. That's not the life for me. Free in Christ. Free to walk with the Lord. Not be dominated by sin, but walk by God's grace another day on this earth. The second part, not only are we to have a strong witness for God as Daniel did before the lion's den, but during the lion's den experience. How are we in the midst of the lion's den? Look with me at verse 17. And a stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing might be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace, spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Then the king arose with the dawn and the break of the day, and went in haste to the lion's den. What's going on? Looked like Daniel's execution, didn't it? He was thrown in the lion's den. The signet ring of the king meant nobody could tamper with it. The rock was rolled over the top of the opening. So it was carried out. Historians tell us this was an underground pit with a side entrance where they could sort through that natural cave entrance, bring the lions in and out or do what they needed to do to feed him. And then this top entrance where the whole deal could be viewed as people were executed. So it was one 
commentator Kyle says this place consisted of a large square cavern under the earth having a partition wall in the middle of it which is furnished with a door which the keeper can open and close. By throwing in the food, he enticed the lions to go from one side of the chamber to the other. So Daniel's fate seems completed here. The plot seems to have succeeded. But we see verse 18, we see the impact of Daniel's testimony. The king went back to his palace and he didn't enjoy all the entertainment, all the food delicacies that he had from all over the world at that time. He couldn't sleep because Daniel's testimony had had such an impact on his life. He didn't have the music. He didn't have whatever entertainment he normally had because God had already been working through Daniel on this king's heart. And so we see here what happens. The king arose at dawn, the break of day, and went in haste to the lion's den. I think at age 62, we know the king was about 62, he ran. (laughs) He ran to see what had happened in the lion's den. And then verse 20, when he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice, The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you from the lions? There might have been a moment of silence. (laughs) Boy, I'm listening. And so we see what happens. Daniel spoke to the king. O king, live forever. Daniel isn't saying, now get me out of here. The lions are surrounding me. What's happening? No. He's going to testify to the king even here. King live forever. My God sent his angel. He's given the credit to God immediately. Shut the lion's mouths. They have not harmed me. Inasmuch as I've been found innocent before him. And also toward you, O king, I've committed no crime. (laughs) I'm amazed. He's in a lion's den, sealed in. And he can holler through a little bit of the opening there that might have been. And he's not saying, I need out of here quickly. You know, this one really looks hungry. He's saying, no, I'm going to testify of God's grace, God's glory, that he brought me through this. And so we see what happens here. The king was very pleased. Do you think he was happy? I'm sure he was joyful. Gave orders for Daniel to be taken up at the lion's den. So Daniel was taken up. No injury was found. No bite marks on Daniel. Because God sent an angel there. God was watching over him. Angels are powerful. In fact, one angel took care of 185,000 Assyrians. And killed them all by himself. So one angel was enough to protect Daniel from the lion's. And Daniel adds too, O king, by the way, I've done no harm to you. I've I've done nothing to minimize you or be against you in any way. John MacArthur shares, isn't it interesting? He defends himself only after he has given God the opportunity to put him through the test. He will put his life in God's hands in the lion's den. How do you know you're innocent? Because God had a perfect chance to chasten me and he didn't do it. He waits for God to evaluate that. 
That's what Brother John MacArthur shares. So the king was exceedingly glad. He was bubbling over with happiness. So he has a rope lower down to bring Daniel up. And so Daniel comes up and he has no injuries. Wow, that's unbelievable again. A real lion's den. God was with Daniel. Daniel was consistently praying to God. Every day he was saying, God, you're number one in my life. I want to live for you. Even if it's my last day here on this earth. So now we get to the third part here. Daniel showed a strong testimony for God after the lion's den. Because in verse 24, the king gave orders. They brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel. They cast them, their children, their wives in the lion's den. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. So the plot didn't work for those men, did it? God is in control. God is sovereign. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Daniel was hanging on to that. And God took care of it. The law of the Medes and the Persians said, On account of the guilt of one, all his kindred must perish. That was part of their laws. Reginald Showers, a commentator on Daniel, wrote this, Persian rulers executed all of a man's relatives when he committed a crime worthy of death. Why? This was a way of preventing assassination attempts upon the life of the king by disgruntled relatives in future years. He just threw them all in. The strong testimony of the unsaved continues as now we see in verse 25, Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, may your peace abound. I make a decree. That in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues, performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So after all the lion's den, who gets the glory? God does. That's what Daniel wanted every day in his life. That's what we should want every day of our life, that God gets the glory. That when an unsaved person looks at our life and they've seen God bring us through a lion's den, we remember right away, God did it. It was His grace and mercy that brought me through. That's the only way I made it through. So this decree now shows a new respect for those in the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians that this living God of Daniel, there must be something real there because he even showed here in delivering Daniel from the lion's den. So in Daniel 6, we're given four items to put in our spiritual survivor kits. A consistent walk with God, number one. Integrity on whatever job God has given us. And thirdly, a committed prayer life. And finally, maintaining a strong witness to the unsaved. We need to remember that the unsaved without Jesus Christ, without that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ are headed where? To hell. 
And for how long? Forever. So souls are at stake every day. Daniel realized that in his life, as we should. Those lives we touch every day, we don't know how God will use it, but they are watching. They're looking for the answer, and the answer is that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Are we ready? Is our kit packed with the right items? The next time a hurricane in life comes our way, our lion's den situation comes, do we have the right survival kit items to get through it so that in the end, God gets all the glory? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time in Daniel 6. Thank you for the reminder of Brother Daniel that even though he was a captive, even though he had it very difficult, every day he prayed to you three times and he thanked you as we need to thank you. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. We don't deserve it. It's all by your grace and mercy. But help us to walk rightly each day for you. That those around us will see that there's something real and that's you working in our lives every day. Not that we'll ever be perfect, but that we strive with your help every day to be more and more like Jesus. Thank you for the reminder. Give us the strength and the help to accomplish your will in each of our lives every day. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.